I literally get up every single morning and I, I repeat this statement. In the beginning, it was literally repeating it more and, and having it in front of me. Now you can wake me up in the middle of the sleep. I like to connect deeply with Hashem family and community through service and influence. It's in my DNA. It's who I am. It's, this is me. And I remember making a goal that I want for me to be so aligned with my mission statement that other people start saying that about me. That's when I'm really living it. Well, hey there, if we have not yet met, my name is Alex Judd. I'm the founder of Path for Growth, and this is the Path for Growth podcast. Now, as a business, we exist to help impact-driven leaders step into who they were created to be so that others benefit and God is glorified. And this podcast is just another iteration of how that mission comes to life. Oh, boy. Today, I get to share with you a conversation that I had with a business leader that I deeply respect, a champion of the Path for Growth community, and someone who has just been a dear friend of mine for over six and a half years. His name name is Naftali Tesler. Now, Naftali is the chief of staff for Hamasfit Kings County, a wildly impactful organization of over a thousand team members that are committed to a very specific mission, providing services, support, and hope to people going through challenges so they can lead a fulfilling and productive life. Naftali is also a member of the Orthodox Jewish community that we've built a thriving relationship with in Brooklyn, New York. Over the past few years, our company has become deeply intertwined with that community. Many of the men and women are part of our one-on-one coaching program. We've hosted in-person experiences in Brooklyn, New York, specifically for that group of people. And I get to travel there once a quarter to do in-person work with a couple companies that are in the Orthodox Jewish community in Brooklyn. Many people often ask me, how on earth did Path for Growth's relationship with the Orthodox Jewish community come about? Like, how did that happen? And my answer is pretty simple. It's twofold. Number one is God, because uh, it couldn't have happened without him. And then number two is Naftali Tesler. Naftali is as growth-oriented and relational of a leader as I've ever had the opportunity to work with. I am so stoked for you to learn from his perspective on personal growth, leadership, community, and business. Let's go. Naftali, I'm stoked about this. I'd love for you to start by sharing your personal mission statement. First of all, thank you for having me. This is so exciting. Yes, in your words, it's stoked. My words would be looking forward. So my personal mission statement, why I exist, is to connect deeply to Hashem, which means God, family, and community through service and influence. Love that. I've heard you say that so many times over the past few years, and I just consider it such a gift that I got to be part of the process of you creating that. I think you, as much as any leader I've ever worked with, are deeply passionate about the practice of having a personal mission statement. I'd love for you to explain like, why is that something that you're so passionate about, Naftali? So it started, I want to say, maybe in 2018 or something, where I toyed a lot with time management for the sake of having more capacity and be able to, I guess, now I would use the words influence and make more impact, so on. And at a time when I taught about time management, a clock came to mind. A timer came to mind. But as I was making more and more research, it was more a compass that came to mind. And ultimately, working long enough with like-minded people, with people like you and other people in, in the community, it was very clear to me, and I think also a big influence was coming from the seven habits of highly effective people, 
that if I say it's like a compass, like the highest level I could go is to dig deeper and connect deeper to myself. Why do I exist? And from there, everything will be so much easier. The decisions I want to make, the paths I want to take, or what I, you know, my yes will be a yes, my no will be a no, so on and so forth. Mm. Man, I, I love that you hit home that word picture of like clock or timer versus compass, because I think really what that represents is at least just as your friend from the outside looking in was like this honestly kind of massive mindset shift for you that you underwent, where it was like almost like you went from how can I do more to a different question, right? Like you were you were basing your entire life around like, how can I do more? How can I be busier? How can I move faster? And it's like you shifted to a different question. So two questions for you. Number one is like, do you have thoughts on like what the question you shifted to was from how can I do more to, it seems like something else. I don't know the exact, I, I doubt I used this word in my mind at the time, but it, Definitely part of it is, which I much later read, Atomic Habits, more identity-based. You know, the wheel of life of Zig Ziglar. I want to know where I'm going, sort of. Definitely the words make a greater impact. And in the process, learn that less is more. And I have to focus on the right thing. Maybe even I would go as far as um, later learning success statements from you I think this is the ultimate success statement. This is what success looks like for me in my life because this is why I exist. This is why I was created. This is why I was put on this earth. And this is the sort of, and, and ultimately I see it live. Whenever I see my mission come to life, and I've seen in, in a couple of examples comes to mind, when I see my mission come to life in full color, there's a certain emotion that's reserved and I could only feel and get when I live my mission in full color. And... You know me, I'm not the type to cry or to even talk about, like, but I feel like crying when, and I cry inside when my mission comes to life. <laughs> Tears of joy, correct, Naftali? Absolutely. Just hearing you talk about it, it's almost like it went from how can I do more to something aligned with how can I make this meaningful? And this being like your whole life. It's not how can I fit more in? It's like, how can I make this as meaningful as possible? Does that resonate? It resonates a lot. And it's not like I, I had to come up with a statement. Nobody pushed me to do it. I think it was everything that was within me from my DNA to the way I was raised, my upbringing and everything that I had in me. I just had to put words to it and start focusing on it more. Yeah, I love that you hit home on that because I think a lot of times when people think of creating a personal mission statement, they think like, okay, I'm creating something that doesn't currently exist that I'm then walking into. And in reality, the process that you and I walked through several years ago now that we still walk through customers through today is like, I just asked you a billion questions about like, when are you at your best? Uh, like, what are your strengths? What are the gifts that you've had since you were a kid? What are the things that make you just light up inside? And what are the things that tear you down inside and make you upset? And it was like, we created this inventory almost and 
And then we said, okay, how do we distill this inventory into just like a single compact sentence? That's what I'd like to, you to speak to for people is what's the value of having it in a sentence? Because you knew those things already. So for you as a leader, as a person, as a father and a husband, what's the value of having it in a sentence, Naftali? So a couple of things. Number one, for myself, I literally get up every single morning and I, I repeat this statement. In the beginning, it was literally repeating it more and, and having it in front of me. Now you can wake me up in the middle of the sleep. I like to connect deeply with Hashem family and community through service and influence. It's in my DNA. It's who I am. It's, this is me. And I remember making a goal that I want for me to be so aligned with my mission statement that other people start saying that about me. That's when I'm really living it. And I, it really resonates, meaning it, it stood the test of time and so on and so forth. So for myself, I was able to connect deeper to it and to put words around things that I always taught about, knew about me. I could filter through ideas. Um, should I say yes to this, whatever, or when I say yes to this, I'm saying no to something else. And then to be able to share it with my wife, with my family, with people around me, I find myself a lot of time referring back to it in conversations with people. Well, mainly, you know, after I did it, I let it resonate with myself and thought about it a lot and ultimately sort of signed off on it. And then I, I remember having a conversation with my wife about my personal mission statement and my personal core values and making sure that we align with this and that we can live that life. It wouldn't be fun for me to go on this journey alone when I have a wife and a family. Mm, so so good. it resonate with me and connect deeper to it and also with, with the people around me. The example I shared is my wife and family. Yeah, that hits on a point. You may have already answered this question, but man, we talk about all the time how it's really important that when we're working on and thinking about personal growth, there is a difference between self-improvement and selfish improvement, right? And I think a lot of times people avoid things like creating their personal mission statement or personal values or personal goals because they think that it's selfish. And in reality, life-giving, healthy, humble self-improvement looks like you doing this work so that others benefit, right? Strength is for service. Can you tell us maybe just about one person in your life that you would say like, man, they've benefited because I have a personal mission statement and how have they benefited? Like, wh- how does that play out practically, Naftali? So the first thing that comes to mind is usually what I'm going to roll with. So Simcha Beller, a good friend of mine, good friend of Path for Growth, shared with me a whole journey of influence, how I became connected with him. We met up somewhere and I kept up with him and we have built a friendship and a relationship, we connected. And after a while, maybe even half a year or a year, I introduced him the concept of Path for Growth. And he joined the Path for Growth group membership and later on one-on-one coaching and later on Yossi G, the company where he's the COO, signed up and you're coming flying into New York and sitting with a team and, and making so much work. And I got a handwritten note a couple of weeks ago from Yossi G, the CEO, and what the impact one person could make. I just influenced Simcha, Simcha influenced Yossi, Yossi influenced the whole team at Yossi G and all the customers and so on. So the whole ripple effect is an example. And it's clearly coming from my mission statement. 
because I remember when Patrick Groth was making an experience and I don't remember exactly what the location I wasn't able to attend, but I want to attend and I belong there. Like if this is where I want to be and I want to, you know, have the community with the like-minded impact-driven leaders. So like, how about we going to create one and invite even more people to it? And I got to meet Yossi there and so many other great leaders from the Orthodox Jewish community, which later on we made it. We made one in Brooklyn, New York. And I remember at the end of that day, looking you in the eyes and say, my mission is to connect deeply to Hashem, family and community through service and influence. That's exactly what happened today. Because I knew my mission. I knew why, why I exist and what I want to do and what impact I want to make. And at that day, there was 30 leaders from the Orthodox Jewish community benefiting from it. Those are not Terry leaders. They have families, they have businesses, or the leaders in businesses. So I remember sitting and going through this exercise with you and drafting my personal mission statement. And I look back, just one example, so many lives are better now. Oh, man, so well articulated. You're giving me chill bumps even just talking about that. So powerful. One of the things we say all the time is like, when a leader gets better, everybody wins. And it's just like, you made a decision. Like, I don't just want to talk about having a personal mission. I don't just want to theorize about how it could be a good idea. Like, I'm going to sit down and make this happen. And just to see how that has been a service to others. I mean, it's been a service to me, right? I, I think it's probably two of the most important words in your personal mission statement that I hear you talk about all the time within the Path for Growth community is connect deeply. And I mean, I experienced that from you. Like I, I look at you and I just experience you as such a good friend. And it's so bizarre that it's like, I've got this friend in the Orthodox Jewish community and people always ask me like, how are y'all so close? Like how on earth did that happen? And I'm like, well, number one, God, like, cause I, there's no way I manufactured this. But then number two, I think a lot of it, credit goes to you because you initiated deep connection. And it's something that I'm enduringly grateful for. And I've seen you do it with other people and so I guess the question there would be like, what is it about deep connection with people that you are personally so passionate about, Naftali? So I, I always say my, my hashtag is connect deeply. I, I only got to know it through drafting my personal mission statement. So thank you. So to connect deeply, I remember thinking about my grandfather, my father's father. I remember thinking about my mother. I remember about thinking about people that I respect and things that had an influence on me. And I think it was the deep connection. One of my personal core values is I want to consistently be connected to Hashem. And I even came up with the quote, it's not about how much or how many, but how deeply you are connected. And I'm reminding myself of an interesting story. Uh, a couple of hundred years ago, I think like 400 years ago, there was a grand rabbi living in Krakow, and one day he tells the board and whoever is in charge over there that they should start looking for a new rabbi as he wants to leave and move away from that town. And they start begging him, he shouldn't do it, we need you here. And he was like, I made my decision already, I'm leaving, and I'm giving you enough time, go look for a replacement. And they were trying, but he, the, nobody came close to him. 
And one day he comes over to them, have you found already a replacement? And they're like, no, sorry, it's so hard. He's like, I changed my mind. I'm staying. And they're like all looking at him and on each other. Like what we tried so hard to change your mind. And you didn't change your mind. What happened all of a sudden? So he's like, I'll repeat a story. And that story made me change my mind. So there was this wealthy man that didn't have time to learn, study Torah and pray enough. So he made a deal with the baker. He's like, how much money do you make? I'll pay you double. Sit in the synagogue all day, pray and learn. And it's going to be a you know, in my honor. And they made that deal. And, you know, they both kept it for a little while. But one day, this wealthy man passes the bakery and he sees the baker in there working. So he goes over to him. What happened? We had a deal. I kept my side. I paid you every week. Why is this bakery open? He's supposed to be in the synagogue and, and pray and learn in my honor. She so is like, yes, we made a deal. But I told that I will go back to the synagogue and learn and pray more. And I'll be more connected to Hashem. However, when I was in the bakery, I was even more connected because when I went out to the woods to chop woods, to have, you know, woods for the, for the oven, you know, he went through all the steps and how you make flour and how you bake it and how you put it in the oven. And in and, and each step in the way, he was connected to Hashem and he was praying, you know, God, help me that it shouldn't, you know, it should come out nice and good and people should want to buy it. It shouldn't be burned. It shouldn't, shouldn't be underbaked, so on and so forth. So I was connected and all of a sudden I'm, I'm, I could be in the synagogue all day, but I, I lost that connection and they like started fighting. We had a deal. So they went to the rabbi and they argued that out. And the rabbi said, if I could have two people in this town with these type of conversations, both want to, somebody wants to give it an allowance to somebody to learn and pray in his honor and somebody doesn't want to take it because he wants to be even deeper connected to Hashem. Um, I want to stay here and I'm not leaving this town. But what it, it teaches me that connection and especially deep connection is a very internal thing. It's not about how much or how many. If you're connected to somebody, like we all have very, very busy lives, especially in Brooklyn, New York, especially being an Orthodox Jew. We have so many hats. Your spouse, your father, you're a leader, you're an employee. I, the list goes on and on and on. But if you could have this couple of minutes, if you could have eye contact with each and every child before they go into bed, if you could just give them a couple of minutes and, and read them a bedtime story or whatever it means in your life or whatever hat you want to give examples about. So I think connecting deeply is everything. Like when I sit down with a one-on-one meeting, I could spend an hour and not connect or I could maybe spend only five, 10 minutes, but we were connected. We were all focused and that's a lot. And I think especially in today's days and age with, uh, you know, we, we used to say with the internet, now it's with, I don't know what, AI or with all the distractions and social media and whatnot. I think we need it more than ever and connect deeply. I want to be present where I am. When I'm at work, I want to be at work fully. When I'm at home, I want to be home fully. When I'm in the synagogue, I want to be there. Although they all overflows from one place to each other. Like I'm with God and Hashem wherever I am, 24-7, 365 days a year. But I think you get the concept. You want to be present to the people. When you talk to somebody, you want to look them in the eyes and have that. And I think we could all think about people that maybe gave you a lot of time, but you don't feel connected. They gave you 50 minutes. They were busy with the phone. You, you, just, you just didn't feel connected. Or somebody walked over to them. They weren't distracted. They looked you straight in the face, in the eyes, 
had a conversation with you, you got your answer, you moved on, and you still feel it. You feel that connection. Mm. Man, there's so much in that that is so good. I think you highlighted on something that I think is one of the things that I value most about our friendship. And it's something that I've actually learned from the Orthodox Jewish community, I think, as a whole, is whenever you engage with someone that it's like they have a different belief system than you, it can be really easy to only focus on the areas that you're different, right? Which, I mean, it's no secret. I don't think this is a surprise to you. It's like, I'm Christian, you're Orthodox Jewish. We have different beliefs and we know that, right? And we even talk about that some. But the thing that I've learned from the Orthodox Jewish community is like, man, y'all just have this like impulse to focus on what are the things that we agree on? Like, what are the things that we have in common? What are the things that we can celebrate together? And it's like one of the things in what you just said that it's like, man, I think everyone can get on the same page with regardless of what they believe is within that story. Like one of the principles that's in there is like, it's not going to be where God is. It's bringing God into where you are because he is everywhere. And we, we all like all of us, uh, uh, all of my Christian friends that I get to do life with and do work with at church. And then all of your Orthodox Jewish friends that live up in Brooklyn, New York, like we all agree, God is omnipresent. God is everywhere. The question is, are we inviting him in? And it's just so cool. Like that's one of those things that I think we've discovered in our friendship. It's like, oh yeah, we agree on that. And because we agree on that, like we agree on a lot. That's a pretty big deal. Yeah, well said. And I think once you know that, there's so many habits and rituals that we could build around it. Like in our community, you know, finding somebody walking around or or having a a basic flip phone. I don't know if you probably have a lot of listeners that have no clue what I'm talking about. Yeah, but that's the phone I use, a basic flip phone, because I don't want to be distracted and have a smartphone. Yes, I have, you know, my tablet at work and, and, and the apps that I need where I need them. But we have habits and we want to guard everything else that we have in life and we cherish. So, you know, so many habits that, that, that I could think of or rituals or, or routines that we're building around that. Once you know that you want to be connected to whatever you want to be connected, in my case is, you know, Hashem, family and community. The work is so much easier and it's identifiable and it's, it's who you want to be and the rest just flows in. That's right. Okay, question for you on that. What is an area where you can find deep connection challenging? Where you know you want it and it's good, but it it can be a real challenge for you that you have to struggle with and kind of wage war on. So it's interesting. It's, you know, I have five personal core values, what I stand for. I just want to list them off to to give, uh, you know, the, the Context of this. So the first one is consistently connected to Hashem. Second one is charity begins at home. Third one is relationships over everything. The fourth one is giving for the sake of giving. And the fifth one is never ending improvement and growth. So it's very interesting that the, the, the first two for me, which is the most important, consistently connected to Hashem and charity begins at home is the biggest struggle for me. Hmm. Like I want to be out of the office at 5.30 every single day because I want to connect and be there for my family. But it's a struggle that I'm working on. And some days are better than others. 
Some days are worse than others. And the same thing to consistently connect to Hashem. Maybe if I'll start telling you how much time, you know, the prayers in the morning and the middle of the day and at night and what else, you know, I study and learn. It's going to sound like a lot, but it's not a, a quantity. As I said, it's not about how much or how many. And, and it's a constant struggle. And I think the deeper and the more connected I feel, the more I see that I'm not connected. So I think, you know, consistently connected to Hashem and, and, and make sure that I have the right priorities with family and say yes to the right things and no to the right things because I should be able to, to be there more for family is a struggle. Yeah, I, I appreciate your vulnerability there and your openness in sharing that. I think that's something that I've seen you grow in because I know you've worked on it a lot is the idea of boundaries and priorities, which you kind of already alluded to. Because the thing that stands out about you that is still true today, and it was definitely true whenever I met you, was like, you are an all-in personality. Like, if I'm in the room one-on-one with Naftali, it's like, I've got all his attention. He's like fully focused, all-in. And I mean, we could sit down and have a four-hour dinner, right? And and that's like your like thing, right? And you even told me, you're like, I'm not much of a food guy. I don't really care about the food. I'm here for the people, the connection, right? And I'll never forget whenever we first had that dinner. And it just, it strikes me that I think one of the things that you had to learn is, yeah, I value deep connection, but deep connection without boundaries and a sense of like margin and priorities on the end. It's like, you will just be where you are all in and at the expense of anything that's scheduled after that. And so is there anything that you've learned specific about boundaries or priorities or making sure that you're managing your time and energy well that would be helpful for the audience or just maybe even to just share your perspective? Yeah, so so boundaries was a tough one for me to put in place in certain areas. Wasn't an easy conversation at all, but looking back, like one specific example comes to mind. I'm a year later whatever boundaries I've put in place and there's some other people involved, we're all enjoying it more and we're all better for it. Another thing that comes to mind is the ideal calendar where I've list all my priorities based on like my my role success statement has priorities, my life has priorities, you know, what I value and all that. And then translate each priority to a currency called time and then put it out like an ideal calendar. Like this is what my morning routine would look like. This is what my Sunday would look like. This is what my Monday would look like. Like I will meet with the same people like every Wednesday, 11 o'clock, I have a monthly call. One is with Kyle, my coach, and one is with my financial coach, and one is with my running coach, and one is with executive director, my monthly meeting. So I've worked and it was like spaghetti trying to fit everything in but and, and work with so many people in my one-on-one meetings. Every Tuesday, 9.15, I'll have the same weekly meeting with one of the people reporting to me. And it's not only, I, I gave you a business example, but it's also my morning routine and night routine and so on. And I think that helped me a lot because I, I definitely struggle with the transitions. <laughs> like, this is so good. I'm so enjoying the conversation or whatever I'm doing. I'm so all in. But every good thing comes to an end, and I have to transition. But the ideal calendar helped me a lot with that. 
Well, that's you and me both, right? That's why it's so dangerous that the two and <laughs> the two of us get into a room and it's only us because it's like we we both connect deeply and then we both struggle with transition. So neither of us is going to end and we'll stay up all night chit-chatting. So I've seen you give this type of advice and help on office hours before, which is so helpful for people. If there's someone that has maybe gone for an extended period of time in a relationship, maybe it's at work, maybe it's at home, maybe it's with someone in their community, and they've gone for an extended period of time in that relationship without having good boundaries, right? And, and they've just kind of been like basically very reckless and very informal with regard to how they structure their time in that relationship. And then they come to this realization, oh, it would actually benefit me and that other person if I established some boundaries and created some structure around this time. Is there anything that you've learned that you would share with people about how to communicate about instilling and applying boundaries properly? Like what's, what's a helpful way to think about how we communicate about that? So I think it's looking at the end results and find common ground there. I think typically both people will 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 have that the same end result. We wanna like if it's a work example is we want this project completed in a timely fashion. If it's a you know, you know, fill in the blank with whatever relationship you're referring to. And if you clearly identify you know, what the success looks like in, in this relationship and agree on that, I think the rest is so much easier where you could make your point. I think we're going to reach there either faster or greater or it's not going to be a temporarily. We're going to be connected because we're all in and then we're, you know, available all hours, the day and night. It's going to be uh, sustainable. Once you know what it's in for both and you want to make sure that it's sustainable, it's a much easier conversation to come up with what are the boundaries. And I think both could see the benefit. And then once you start testing it and you got to keep your share of it, like I don't check emails after I work out of work, but I make my business. Then when I walk in 8.30 in the morning, I make sure to respond to everybody. So nobody, like I don't think anybody would say, Naftali doesn't respond to emails. I'm always responding to emails, but I'm not always responding to emails. I do not respond to emails when I go out of work until the next day when I come back into the office. So you've got to find the ultimate goal is you should be responsive and, and not be a bottleneck or whatever. You know, this, for this example, that, that just comes to mind. If you, if you think of the end results, walk, you know, and, and, and reverse engineer it it's going to be a longer, better, greater relationship. Yeah, well said. That My takeaway from that is like, let's align on what we actually care about. And then within that description of the desired outcome, let's collaborate on a how we get there that is actually beneficial to both of us. And the thing that I want everyone to hear that's embedded smack dab in the center of Naftali's answer there is it is in the best interest of everyone that you are in relationship with, that you are performing in an exceptional way that's sustainable. 
like that's in the best interest of you. That's in the best interest of your employer. That's in the best interest of your team. That's in the best interest of your spouse that you're able to be a high performer and you're doing it in a way that's sustainable. And, and what I hear from Naftali is like, man, if you're doing it in a way that's unsustainable, a lot of times I think the fear of people you're in relationship with, whenever you start to voice that, if you voice the wrong way is, oh, they're going to stop being a high performer. And if you can assure them, like, hey, I'm not going anywhere. If anything, my performance is going to improve. I just need to do this in a way that we can do it for longer and better. A lot of times people people will be your greatest advocates in making that happen. But I think it takes a lot of responsibility to actually make that shift. That kind of applies to another topic that I really wanted to talk to you about, Naftali. And, and that's just the idea that personal growth is not like this separate thing from leadership growth, but rather it's like intimately connected and perhaps in some ways the same thing. We say all the time, if you want to put your business in order, start by putting yourself in order. And we really prioritize personal growth as a result. If I was to make a list of the people who have championed that principle, like as much as anyone I think you would be towards the top of that list, if not at the top of that list. Like you like just have this get it factor on the fact that, man, my leadership growth is directly connected to my personal growth. And so I want us to dive into that a little bit. I want to come at it in a very particular way. Uh, can you think of an area over the past maybe two to three years since you've been with us at Path for Growth where you've seen outrageous personal growth, like a really specific area where you say, man, I was that and now I'm this. Something specific come to mind? Yes. Okay, what you got? Health. Okay, health. Physical health and emotional health. <laughs> yes. Okay. Physical health and emotional health. So I, I love this. I had a funny feeling you might say that. So this will be really good to dive into. So to give people some context on Naftali's physical health journey, when Naftali and I did an intensive, whenever he first engaged Path for Growth, gosh, this was probably what, two and a half years ago now? I think it was uh, September, um, the first year. Yeah. So gotta be September will be three years, I believe. Yeah, my goodness, unreal. So cool, and I'm so grateful for that. So almost three years ago now, and we walked you know, through... For, I think, five or six years. That's oh, yeah. I mean, we've been friends for a very long time. Yeah, so true. Uh, so in that initial intensive, we did a lot of things. One of them was create your personal mission statement. But another thing that we did was we went through uh, something very similar to Zig Ziglar's Wheel of Life, right? And we went through finances, and we went through intellectual, and we went through your friendships, and went through your family, and kind of created some habits in each and I'll never forget, we got down to health. We left it at the bottom. And I said, okay, Naftali, like, what are your thoughts on health? Like, can you give me some identity statements or some vision around what you want to be as it relates to your health? And I'll just never forget, you looked at me on Zoom and, and I think you said, oh, I don't do health. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean you don't do health? And, uh, and you just said, well, that's just not something I focus on at all. And I don't think it's going to happen. So let's just move on. Like, we don't need anything for that. So, so that's where Naftali was almost three years ago. Give people a picture of where you're at with your health today. So right now, I take health seriously. Um, not because I have it any incident or heart attack or, or God forbid, anything like it, just from identity point of view, I'm a person that takes health seriously, my physical health and my emotional health. 
So I take my exercise, nutrition, sleep seriously. So at that point, no, most of the days I'm not in the mood to eat breakfast for whatever reason. And I, and it's interesting. I spoke to a lot of people. A lot of people have that same thing in common. I can't eat breakfast. I'll eat 12 o'clock the first thing. Right now, I've worked a lot with Olivia on this one back when I was in growth groups with her. Um, and that was one of my focuses that I'm, going, I'm not going to, like my reward for eating breakfast is being able to open my computer. And so that means I seriously have to eat breakfast before I start the day. And it's a game changer. You know, and I became a habit and I don't even think about it. Like here and there, I'm like, I'm not in the mood for whatever reason, but I'm still going to push myself because I know otherwise somebody's, you know, somebody's going to feel it. <laughs> One of the conversations, I don't know who will, will, will not be on the good side that day. So that's, that's an example of, of food. So I make sure to eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and whatever snacks I'm, I need. I'm not on diet. I just live a healthy lifestyle. I try to live a healthy lifestyle. I was on diet. When was it? October, November, December. I finished it January 1st. We're a half a year later. And I still, you know, kept the pounds that I lost off, and I didn't gain it back, and so on and so forth. Same thing with my sleep. I will try to be... Um, very intentional with how much sleep I need at the season. Depends on, you know, other things, my, my running journey or whatever it is. I take exercise very seriously. I follow programs. I um, want to go, you know, more technical. I remember when I started the app called C25K and the first exercise is run for 90 seconds and then walk for two minutes, run for 90 seconds, walk for two minutes for literally like three, four times. And I was like, out of breath. I cannot do it. And I was like, I will never make a mile in one shot without stops. And then I remember reaching 5K, which is 3.1 miles. And I remember Zach so nicely bought me a gift, the Tools of Titans from Tim Ferriss. And I still remember that. Thank you, Zach. And then I went on to a 10K, which is 6.2 miles. And then in end of April, I did a half a marathon. <laughs> Unbelievable. I, I hope everyone has the reaction that I have to that, which is like a like standing ovation wherever you are. Like, that's crazy. He went from not being able to run 90 seconds to running 13.1 miles. And correct me if I'm wrong, you did it in like, it was around, how long did it take you? It took you like two hours and 54 seconds. Two hours. So you almost beat the two-hour mark, which means you were running the entire time, correct? Yes. Yeah. It was pouring rain. Yeah, yes, it was raining the whole time. This is just unbelievable. And that was the, it, I believe it was the Brooklyn Half Marathon you ran, right? Yes. Oh, I'm man. Signed up, I'm signed up. Um, in two weeks, I'll do another half a marathon in Coney Island, and that's on the way to a marathon. So guess, guess what? I wouldn't believe ever that I'll do this. And Yes, I do it for my physical health, but more importantly for my emotional health. And I started this when my mother, you know, wasn't feeling well. Like two and a half years ago, she was battling cancer. She was sick for 13 months. And at the time, the, the stress was high and I needed an outlet and I just started running and it did well for me. And I continued it because I, I've, I've seen the benefit and I want to be emotionally healthy. I want to be able to you know, be, become more vulnerable is something that I'm working on. I want to be in alignment with my values and principles and priorities and, and taking that time to do exercise, whatever it is. Right now, my goal is a marathon and I'm also mixed, you know, I, I throw in a little bit of biking in the mix and later on, we'll see if I'll maybe try to do a half Ironman. I don't know. I don't know how to swim. So that's going to be a fun process for me to learn how to swim. 
yeah, so from, I think I could do the same things and, and it's going to benefit both the physical and emotional. But, but for me, the journey started definitely, and it still is a lot about emotional health. I want to be able to have a full cup so I could pour. And there's no way if I don't eat or sleep or do exercise or whatever other things fall under this category and other goals and habits that I'm building that I could be my best and that I could serve others. Oh, man. Okay, so this is so good. What I want to call attention to for everyone is we chose one area, that being health. I know for a fact, because I know Naftali well enough, like we could choose other areas, like his intellectual life and what he's reading. We could choose his finances. We could choose his career. And it's like, we could zoom in on any of those. And it would like be a similar story of transformation of you were that and now you're this. Why? Because you made a decision and immediately after you made a decision, you made a plan. And then you acted on the plan and you executed upon it and you involved other people. That's a huge piece in the process of that. But I mean, so much of this is just rooted in the fact that there was something you didn't believe was possible that you then gained belief that it was possible. And then the minute you believed it was possible, you got about the business of making it happen. Here's the question that I want to know is what is the impact? Let's even just look at health. Let's zoom in on that. What's the impact that your growth in that arena has had on your leadership? I, I want to know where to start because there's so many things come to mind. Like when I have a, a, a conversation, a one-on-one conversation with one of my direct reports or when I'm in a team meeting, the whole mindset of being present just change the way I look at things, the, the way I look at conversations, the way I look at conversations with myself even. Like instead of giving statements, start asking questions. And I contribute all of this to, you know, the ideas that come up on a run. It could be the best ideas or the worst ideas and the way I could process everything. Like one of the things I do for my emotional health is 10 minutes of silence. This is actually my high return habit that I've been, you know, started implementing a couple of months ago. And it's interesting that I will call this a high, but last month uh, wasn't very well. But I, the reason I'm calling it a high because I felt different. I felt different throughout the day. I wasn't so content. I wasn't so myself. I wasn't. I wasn't my best. So quickly, when I had a conversation with Kyle, my monthly meeting with him, we discussed it, and it was clearly because I had changed my morning routine. So the habit stacking moved around. So that messed it up. So we've redid the whole morning routine and made sure that it stays there. And now I even know so much more to appreciate it. So I've experienced, let's say one example of 10 minutes of silence, what a difference it can make in my day. And I felt when I didn't have it, and now when I put it back into my routine, the whole day goes differently and, and it could be, you know, just random thoughts. It's not meditation or, or anything fancy, just, you know, sitting typically with my eyes closed. It used to be at the lake after my run, but I have a different, you know, I'm not finishing my runs over there. I'm finishing my runs back at home because I'm saving time and everything. We have to calculate everything, but I'm, I'm sitting there for 10 minutes and I could either think through a my yesterday's day or conversations I had or things that I messed up or I shouldn't have said that in a meeting where I have to go apologize to that person. Or I can think about the day in front of me. Like what meetings will I have and visually go through my mind? Or what am I forgetting? Why do I feel all over the place? What's going on with me today? Or I could even, you know, focus on bigger things like 
some big, you know, I I had a, you know, a call with my financial coach and what's going through. Like I could even, like it's random. It could be, but the best ideas, the best questions to myself come up in that that 10 minutes of silence. Again, I chose one tiny habit within the health arena. But the same thing on the runs. I mean, whoever ever, you know, did any form of exercise, the energy you get and the thoughts, go the, the way you clear your mind and all that. So, so I forgot the original question, but I felt like I answered it. Well, yeah. How does personal growth and a rhythm of personal growth impact your leadership? So you yeah, absolutely so answered the people it. around me, if I'm better as a person, I could have better conversations. If I learn to ask better questions of myself, I could ask better questions of the people, or I could encourage them to ask questions and not shut it down. I clearly see when I didn't sleep enough, a difference in my conversations, whatever has to take five minutes will typically take at least double. So I could sense it like immediately when, when I didn't sleep enough mm-hmm. or when I didn't eat. <laughs> I think everybody can sense that. I would want to have a conversation with anybody who is like really hungry. That would be good. So it, it, it affects the people around me. And to your question about leadership, it affects the people I get to collaborate with on a daily basis, the people I get to report to, or the you know person, the executive director that I report to. Yeah. It helps in the relationships and the connection and the setting the tone and, and being focused. There's something that stands out in that to me. And it's just the idea that like, if leadership is taking people from here to there, And we talk to people all the time. They say, I want to be a better leader. Well, do for yourself what you want to do for others, right? So take yourself on a here to there journey, and that will equip you to take others on that type of journey. So to use Naftali's very specific example, here was, I don't prioritize personal health. There is... I've ran a half marathon. We haven't even talked about five at five, but in January, I do five miles at 5 a.m. every day, except I actually have a group of, you know, a couple of people in the five at five group. I don't remember who initiated the text. Who wants to do a June accountability? And I'm like, I'm in for six o'clock. I can do it five, but I'll do six and follow my program every day at six, except Sunday at eight. And we have four people doing it every single day. That's right. So what the impact is. Exactly. Yes. And that, that right there is what I want to draw people's attention to is you have no clue how much influence your personal growth carries. Like I, I get the benefit of talking to all of our Path for Growth members and they've watched the journey of Naftali going from someone that didn't work out at all to now being able to run a half marathon. And I cannot tell you the number of people I've talked to that have literally told me, oh my gosh, I saw what Naftali did and he inspired me to do this. Or I'm just so inspired by, by Naftali. So I saw what he did and I said, maybe I can't do that, but I'll do this. And, and I mean, Naftali wasn't doing it necessarily for that reason, but man, his personal growth has ramifications beyond himself. And, and that's a good reason. A lot of times when we're lacking motivation around personal growth, man, what's the front of that phrase, that word motivation, motive, right? Why are you doing it? If it's just all about you, right? If it's just about you crossing the freaking finish line, it's not going to, it's not going to be fulfilling. But man, if you say, 
there are other people that will benefit from me going on a here to their adventure. Oh my gosh, it just becomes so thrilling. So I never, I don't think I ever told you the story. I joined the five at five this year and last year, the year prior. Okay. Um, so let's clarify for people. Five at five is this thing we've done for several years now. It's five miles at 5 a.m., six days a week. So for most of the people in the group, it's every day except Sunday for Naftali. Shabbat is on Saturday. So he does it every day except Saturday. And and we do it every day in January is what we focus on. So, okay. Sorry to cut you off. Now, Jim. I saw you um, posted on LinkedIn and I was like, there's no way I do this. I never ran in my life, but I knew next year I'm going to join that group. And somewhere, I don't remember when, uh, middle of the summer, I started running, you know, there's a couple of things in mind, you know, I had stress from my mother not feeling well, and I knew I wanted to do this anyways in January, and another, other couple of factors there. So it was long in the making and long coming. And also back to the question you asked earlier, what difference does, does it make in my leadership, the health story? Like, if you think about running, I had, I was injured at one point and I had to be off running for a couple of months because I ran too much or I didn't reach my goal with the, um, with the time wise for the half a marathon. I wanted to do it a little bit quicker. I wanted to do 830 miles and I did 912 miles. The reason is clearly because I started the first few miles too fast. So I've seen it so many times, so many parallels that I take from running to leadership. And, and all these lessons that I, I could later, you know, apply to all other areas in my life. Like, I would never think that I could take out so many lessons just from running. It's a very technical thing. You run or you don't run or you're into it or you're not into it. But there's so many lessons that I took out of running and, and apply it to my leadership. That's right. And, and growth always comes from experiencing it. You could read about running, hear about running, talk about running for days, even years, and you won't experience the growth. Because you could have even said logically, like, oh, if someone wants to become a good runner, they better pay attention to not starting off too fast. It's like, you already knew that. I know you knew that, right? I mean, like everyone and their dog, you don't have to be a runner to know you better pace yourself. It's a marathon, not a sprint, right? Like we all know that. But I was so excited for my first half of marathon and I was like, That's right. And something different happens when you experience it. And it's like you internalize it in your body almost. And then when you internalize it in your body, like I've literally had this experience where it's like I go into other places with my work and something clicks. I'm like, oh, this is another one of those areas where I go all out in the beginning and I set expectations for myself in the beginning that I can't sustain all the way through. And it's like click and it's like, oh, well, whenever I applied a different strategy in the marathon, that worked out really well. What if I brought what I did over there to here? And and so, man, I, I think that that's such a good thing to call out is like when you go further than you thought you could go, you learn lessons you never even knew you could learn. Yes, that applies to running, but honestly, I would apply that to personal growth, period. And so, People sometimes ask me, I don't know if I've shared this with you, Naftal, like people sometimes ask me like, okay, so are y'all like more focused on personal growth or leadership growth? And I, I, I don't say this because I think it would be incredibly rude to say this, but I, what I want to say is like, I reject that question. 
I think it is an awful question because I think they are the same thing. And if you are not personally growing, there is no, no, no way you're going to be able to sustainably, effectively lead people. Let's jump into the idea of leadership and business growth now. One of the things that I've been really inspired by is that you've kind of gone all in within the Path to Growth community on the idea of healthy growth. And you are a leader that is proactively, as the chief of staff at Hamas Pick, uh, bringing many of these principles into your organization. And you're working with an incredible leadership team there. I mean, Herschel is I mean, one of the most purpose-driven, passionate leaders I've ever met. And he's the executive director. And, and the evidence of that is the caliber of people he has on his leadership team. And so you've brought healthy growth principles into that organization and helped instill those into that organization. It's something we're that we're still doing. and But then even beyond that, you're like a champion of healthy growth principles in the Orthodox Jewish community. And you're constantly like bringing them to the community, talking to people about them, but then also like so many members of the Orthodox Jewish community have now joined Path for Growth. And it's like they're showing up on office hours. They have one-on-one coaches. Every time we're in town, we like have these big dinners that are just so beautiful now. It's one of my favorite things we get to do. And so I guess what I want to ask you there is like, What's your passion for bringing the message and principles of healthy growth to the Orthodox Jewish community specifically, Naftali? So first of all, I'm a community person. Part of my my mission and vision is to impact the community. I connect very much to personal growth, I think because I struggle with it a lot. But thank you for all your compliments. But I think it's coming because I need it most. And I also have seen the difference I made in my life. Let's say... An example, creating a mission statement and personal core values. I think like everybody could benefit from it. And if I think everybody could benefit from it, of course, I'll talk about it because Trent is for service and, and he's a good friend of mine. If I know a good deal that he could get, I wouldn't tell him, of course, I would call him up right away, right? Same thing. I have struggled with it and I continue to work through it and I will forever try to become better because one of my personal core values is never ending improvement and growth. And I just saw the benefit of my personal life. I saw the benefit of my family life, my work and, and everything I do. I saw the, you know, my, my journey. I work in a Maastricht for 12 years. I started as the handyman. I started shoveling the snow, plunging the toilets, fixing the hinges, the shelves, fixing the printer and the fax machine and the phone. You know, I did the handiwork, the IT work. And, and now I'm the chief of staff. So that's, you know, from a, from a career perspective, but in, in so many other areas in my life, thank God. So yeah, this is a message that I've seen work and a big part of it is your help even before Path for Growth. I think I've known you longer from before Path for Growth and that's going to change because with time, but I think I've known you a couple of years before Path for Growth that we, we have had a great relationship and I've seen the and, and, and that's definitely a, a key moment, a key, a key factor in how I was able to grow, even to have that mindset and to have the community and to have everything, like, you know, put in all the other adjectives over there. Um, I've seen my journey with the help of you and the Path to Growth team. So it's not only by you. When I joined Path to Growth, I didn't work with you personally. I worked with Olivia. She was the coach on the on the group. Then I worked with Kelly. And then I worked with Kyle. 
So I've seen that it's not a, it's not like a woman band. It's not only if I get to work with Alex, then then I'll get this result. I've you know you have built an enterprise, you have built a a proven system, and 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 I've come to rely on it. And if I know about all this available, and you are also so I I can't even you know, say this enough and thank you enough for this. So open to the Orthodox Jewish community, so connect with us in so many other ways. Like, you know, for example, you posted that seven lessons you have learned from the Jewish, from the Orthodox Jewish community and it went bananas. I don't know how much it was, like over 100,000 engagements. I think at the time it was like 115. I'm sure it went even more. And this is one example of so many others, like even so many times on the podcast, you would use examples or like sometimes somebody could do it just to make you feel good at the moment. And, and they check the box, you know, I'm, I'm you know, diversified. I also have Orthodox Jewish community, you know, members, but you really meant it time and time again. I've spent so much time with you. I've, I've spent time with you in Aspen. I went to Arizona. You, you literally, the hospitality that you gave me over there, because that's where you live. And, and, and we had so, you know, we had a great time, but, like I could go on and on and on for the rest of this podcast with examples of how you were so nice to me personally and to the entire community. So I have here my experience with the Path for Growth path. And I have so many people in the community that I so deeply care about. I got to be stupid not to connect the dots and try to influence and impact. So yes, I'm proud of, of the people in the Orthodox Jewish community um, and the way they show up in the in the office hours, in the chat, and and all other you know related things that, that Pat to Grow does, and I've and, and and I'm excited and thank you for the opportunity to bring and influence all these people because again, as we discussed before, it's a whole ripple effect. It's not just one person; it's that entire organization. It's the everybody working there, spouses and families, and they go back into the community and um, the clients they serve and whatnot. So. It worked for me. I've seen it work for others in the community. And it's something the community could use. Mm. Oh, my goodness. I didn't know you were going to try and make me cry on this podcast. <laughs> my Unlike you, I don't just cry on the inside. I very much cry on the outside. So you better be careful with what you're doing. Gosh, there's so much I could say in response to that. There's a couple things I want to make sure I express to Everyone from the Orthodox Jewish community who's part of either one-on-one coaching or the executive membership, I speak for our entire team, but I also speak uh, for the community at large, business owners around the country. When I say like this, what we're building right now, it's really special and it would be less special if you weren't a part of it. Like there is something that y'all bring that is just like different and it's so beautiful and it's so good and it teaches us so much and we get to learn so much from y'all and the way that you do life and the way that you think about leadership and business. And it is just a blessing. That is the right word to use. And then to the Orthodox Jewish community as a whole, it's like for the past, gosh, almost two years now, I've had the opportunity to come up and visit y'all once a quarter in person in New York and I just want you to know, like, I and we love y'all. I think your work ethic is second to none. I think your heart 
is one of the most inspiring things that I've ever seen. I think the way that you unify as a community and that you leverage each other's differences and strengths to come together for common purpose and common good is something that our nation could use a whole lot more of. And so it would just be not correct for me to not take this time to just say thank you. Like, you have impacted me personally more than you will ever know. And it, it's just such a beautiful thing. So uh, all that to say, Naftali, I think that the feeling is extremely mutual. And it's something that I just find myself saying a prayer of gratitude regularly that I get to call you a friend, but then also I get to call so many people from the Orthodox Jewish community, friends of myself personally, but also of our organization. So a couple of things. First of all, thank you for that. I appreciate it in the name of the Orthodox Jewish community. And I think that the, the feelings are, are very much mutual because, for example, you were interviewed in the Ami magazine lunch break. I don't think they ever interviewed anybody outside of the community. I got to tell people that story. I literally, I I got a voicemail on my phone and it was from New York, but I I didn't know who it was, but I had just come back from New York from one of the quarterly visits. So I was like, okay, well, I should check out this voicemail. And it was literally like less than 30 seconds. It was, hey, Alex, this is Nesnal Gantz. I'm a writer for the Ami Magazine. It's the largest global publication for the Orthodox Jewish community in the world. We want to do a story on you. We'd love to air it next week. Okay, bye. And it was like, like, that was literally the message. And I was like, is this even real? Come to find out, it's like, I mean, truly like a massively influential global publication that everyone in the community reads. And it's like somehow they were willing to invite me on to talk about healthy growth principles and the story of our company. And like you said, it's just a story of blessing. It's like what people have told me since then is like, that doesn't really happen. They don't really feature people that aren't in the community. Is that right? In that specific column is meant for people within the community. And you got to meet Nassau later on at the Boss Summit. And we even got to meet the editor when we walked out of the loft on 1348. I was, I was like, uh, what's his name? I think Zach Blumafeld. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, he was featured in Ami. He was like, Alex? Uh, so, yeah, that's cool. We, we, I think that the, the feelings are very much mutual. But also, a word to the team. It's not only you, Alex. Mm-hmm. It's Olivia, the, the, you know, Kyle, Danielle. I had so many conversations with, mem- you know, team members of the Patriot community where they want to learn so much. They want to know more about the Orthodox Jewish community. And, and maybe if I may ask this question to the listeners, I've had a couple of people ask me, and obviously I wouldn't share such a book if somebody doesn't ask for it, but I had a couple of people ask me, of the past few years, like, what is one, where can I find more about your community? What is one book that I could read that gives me more insights about the community in general, about the traditions and whatnot? And I haven't found that book. So if anybody in the Orthodox Jewish community or in the outside that I've come across, please send me a message. And I want to be able just to, I'm not solicit anybody, but if, you know, the, the your team has such an interest and also the other PFG members. I have great relationships. I've met so many of them in person already. If it's Gideon, Tracy, so many, they live in Pennsylvania. So I had, you know, had the opportunity to meet them in person, but even the others, if it's Rusty, Gerald, Brian, Rachel, 
so many like leaders that come to office hours every week and they all are so nice. And I want to thank the entire Path to Growth team and all the other PFG members. Thank you so much for welcoming us so nicely. I agree. It's one of the things that I think I'm most grateful for is that this has gone so far beyond me, it's not even funny. And most people's primary connection to Path for Growth nowadays isn't me. And thank God, right? Like that's so good because we have so many studs and studettes on our team. And then there's just such, I mean, incredible, truly incredible, wildly interesting people that make up the community. That hits home on a note that I'd love to ask you. I didn't tell you I was going to ask you this, but one of the things that we do within the community is weekly office hours calls, right? Which is casual yet intentional conversations that are really member led and member driven. So it's connecting with other people who own or run a business around the country. I'd love to know from you, like what's the biggest thing personally uh, or as a leader that you've gotten from those calls because you're oftentimes on Monday or Friday or some weeks both. So what's the biggest thing if you were to label one that you've gotten from those times that's impacted you as a person and a leader in Oftali? So I spend a lot of time there, so I better have an answer like this quickly. Right? So it's mainly community perspective. This is a community. You build context over time. You build relationships over time. When I come with a question and I get like I, you know, if somebody else will ask this question, I will be able to, you know, ask obviously some context question and then some clarifying questions and ultimately, you know, walk through an idea. But somehow when I'm in it. I, I have blind spots myself. So when I have any question about any leadership, you know, typical questions that I would ask or anybody else would ask, they have context about it. They know about me and I could, I could gain value and I could give value. And the community is so awesome. Like I'm very into community, whether it's the Orthodox Jewish community or community, the PFG community, you name it. I'm a family person. I think, I think of community as family. So it's community and, and perspective and also being able to step out of the day-to-day ground, grind and think about leadership from the outside on the business. Some weeks I will show up, not have any questions, not have anything specific, just be around like-minded, impact-driven leaders. And I feel when I'm not there. And I'm trying to be very intentional with my time and I see a great ROT, return on time and return on investment. Hmm. I think the attitude that you express that I want to call people's attention to, it's an attitude that I see as a common thread between all of the people that I would say are just uh, exemplary members of the Path for Growth community, like impact-driven leaders through and through. They all have this in common, and there's so many of them. There's so many leaders that I just admire so much that are just doing wildly incredible things, and they're doing it with this heart. But it's the attitude that you expressed. It said, I get to gain and I get to give. And just like that attitude of like, I have something to learn from all of these people and I have something to gain, which is so true. And so I I have questions to ask and things to know and things to hear because everyone has something to teach me. But then also I get to give. And, And it's something that I think is really special in the culture of the Path for Growth community is, man, the number of people that are showing up consistently with the heart of a contributor 
it's just remarkable and it's so cool. And it's something, again, like we couldn't have manufactured that. That's a, a testament to a great God and good people. And it's just something that I want to make sure we continue to call attention to uh, because that's what we want to cultivate and expand as we continue to grow what we're building. But I want you to know that it goes beyond just office hours. So many one-on-one conversations that I have with people coming, you know, leading out of that. As I said, I met in person Gideon, Tracy, had conversations with Jackie last week based on conversations she had or the questions she asked and things that I know she's, you know, easy and helped me. He helped me one day. I, I scheduled a call on something specific. I think he, you know, he, he has an expertise on a specific area and I scheduled a call internally with two other people in the office here and they're like trying to wrap the brain around it. So wait, he's a salesman for that specific, you know, software. I was like, no, he's just a friend of mine. It took them like a couple of minutes to, to get that idea away. So he just willingly gave you an hour of his time and help you through, walk through the software because we had to make a decision or something. Yeah, so I had so many one-on-one conversations and I know so many others have between them. So the impact is even greater than just what you get to see in office hours. It, 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 you know, <laughs> the, that's the word impact and it goes beyond your reach. Absolutely. I love that. That kind of highlights on another question. You've been a part of one-on-one coaching for a while now too. What's the biggest impact a one-on-one coaching has had on you as a person and as a leader, Naftali? So accountability, but it starts before that. Accountability is only after you you go through the whole thing. So I will go through with my one-on-one coach the 12 fundamentals in detail. He knows a lot of context about my personal life or role and about the company he got also to visit us in one of the quarterly meetings and hopefully he's going to come in the next one right kind of so great like i i laugh sometimes he could sit in you know for a couple of minutes and he's not going to jump in as me every couple of minutes with a comment but when he comes in he comes in crystal clear the questions he asks and the perspective he brings and the way he could take a complex thing and extremely principle-based so it's, it's having a game plan for the 12 fundamentals and any other areas that I, that I would need assistance and, and, and somebody to coach me through it and then hold you accountable to that. Mm, really powerful. I agree with everything you said about Kyle. It's, <laughs> yeah, why I just was like, oh my gosh, are you serious? This dude has business ownership experience, has run a, a massive organization and is now saying he wants to be a path for growth coach. It's like, holy cow, let's jump on that train. It's so cool to see how your story has been reproduced across so many people. I mean, I think he's working with 17 individual customers right now and just crushing it. So well articulated enough, Tolly. I feel like I hear this a lot from people. People will talk to me about you and my relationship with you, with you and they'll literally say, oh my gosh, I would just love to meet him. And that's how I always feel too. It's like, oh, I'd love for you to meet Naftali. I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. So it's okay if you don't want to answer, but word on the street is people might have an opportunity to meet you. I've heard people say like, you might be joining us in Asheville for our in-person experience. I know the team's kind of been working with you on seeing like, man, could we make uh, Shabbat workout for, for your rhythm and schedule and then also kosher food and all of that. But what's the word, Naftali? <laughs> so the word is actually if you give me 60 seconds I'll have a better answer because I have the site open and I figured how cool would it be if I actually take the time on the call to tell you I'm going to 
you just, you know, putting in some technical info and hitting the button register just a second and I just figured this is going to be so cool. If I <laughs> so you're telling me you're literally registering for the experience in October right now. Yes. <laughs> Ready, set, go. Yes. I'll be there. Oh my God. That was like the coolest moment we've ever had on the podcast ever. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. Oh, that's so cool. I went to register a couple of weeks ago and I, before you took some time off, you mentioned when you come back, you'll interview me. I was like, that's a moment that I'll put away. Well, there's, man, such a great idea. So creative. I, I think now, like, it's going to be a race now, but I think there's two people that people are most excited to meet at the experience. I think she may have you beat. Number one might be my wife, Aspen, now, because people haven't met Aspen, so they're going to get to meet. But close second place right now is Naftali, and he'll be there in Asheville as well. So, holy cow. So, so exciting that we're going to have I you there. And a, a clear Danielle move. She always finds, like, like the moment to make an experience out of it. So I figured let's have some fun on the interview. You knocked it out of the park, man. That's so cool. Very cool. Well, here's the deal. I know if there's people from the Orthodox Jewish community listening that might be interested in joining Naftali, Naftali, I'll ask you if there's anything you want to tell them. The thing that I would assume is that y'all might have a lot of questions. And so if you do have questions, I think Naftali is probably a great contact if you do know him personally, or you could even schedule a call with me. This experience is something, it's a strategic priority that I'm owning. And if you have questions for either me about the content or things like that, be happy to talk to you and we can put the link in the show notes of this episode to that. Or if there's things logistically about kosher food or about Shabbat and what our game plans are around that, that would obviously be a great plan for either Naftali or for our team because they're doing all the logistical organization around all of that. Naftali, is there anything else you would like to tell people that might be interested so I was in touch with Katie, gave me a couple of options about kosher food. I didn't work everything out. I know I, you know, yeah, Chabad all over the place and some other options. So uh, we're definitely going to tap into that. We'll figure it out. I predict we're going to have between five and 10 other Orthodox Jewish people. This is my prediction. You can't hold me against it. It's hard for us to schedule so in advance. It's just not the norm for us. We're typically the seats at certain events go the week before. That's just the way we're wired for whatever reason. <laughs> um, so I, I still predict, uh, uh, you know, between five and 10 people. And I would love to have company on the flight or, you know, have some people from my community. And, and I'm proud to show off. Like, I'm very proud being an Orthodox Jewish member. And um, it would be awesome. And even the content that we're going to discuss there, like, not just to have followers, to have leaders that are developing leaders. That's something I'm working through now and, and, and focusing on. And I'm so excited. And I've, I've seen a, a one-day experience that you guys made, you know, specially catered for the Orthodox Jewish community in Brooklyn last August. And that was one day. And every single person there said exceeded expectations from all angles so you have an incredible team. Katie is crushing it. And if, if you could pull this off in one day, and there was not a lot of notice over there. Um, we did it the Orthodox style. Like, it's exciting. I'm looking forward. 
Yeah, exciting is a exciting is an understatement. Yeah, we always focus on man. We don't call it an event because we don't think it is an event. This is not us talking at you. Like we call it an experience because our commitment is like if you come, you're going to experience growth as a person, as a leader, as a business. And I think our team uh, and credit goes to the team and credit goes to the other leaders that attend because uh, it's just incredible the list of people that attends this. They've dialed in what it looks like. Like to create an environment where people can experience growth in in anywhere from one day up to four days, like we're going to be doing at this one. So we'd love to have y'all. And you shared last week that Herb is going to give a session. And I mean, if anybody you know, Herb had a podcast uh, episode on this, and, and whoever is a member knows Herb. And this is like, this is the, this. If you want somebody to teach on this topic, Herb is an example. So I'm excited for that. I have had a, a lot of time together with Herb, but now in person, I can't wait. Yeah. Well, now you're ste- you're stealing announcements that I was planning to make later, but that's, that's all good. All good. So we're doing another podcast with Herb. Herb Sargent is, I mean, when I think of impact-driven leader, Herb Sargent is one of the people that instantly comes to mind. A massive organization, wildly influential in the state of Maine and other states, and uh, influential in their industry as well. And yeah, he's agreed to do a session, and that's just going to be so powerful. How do you inculcate leadership development at every level of an organization it's going to be so cool so So oh man i was actually referring to the podcast a couple of months ago there you go i like it i like it yeah well naftali i think i speak for everyone when i say this was just such a gift i feel like we got to deeply connect on today's podcast episode i'm so thankful to you for being such an exemplary member of the Path for Growth community, someone that is wildly committed to practicing healthy growth in service of other people, and just for being a really, really, really good friend to me and so many other people. So thank you for your time. Appreciate it. I know people will be better for it, and I appreciate not only this conversation, everything you do for myself personally and for the community. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Oh my goodness. There's so much I'm so grateful for in that conversation. But I think one of the things that I often find myself reflecting on after I get to spend extended time with Naftali is that there's so much we can do. There's so much we can attend to. There's so much we can be busy with. But ultimately, what matters really comes down to two things, loving God and loving people. And I just think that he does that so well. Hey, real quick, before we go, we talked about the experience that we're going to be hosting in Asheville, North Carolina. Oh my gosh, I I just can't tell you how excited I am to get that group of people together to focus on the topic of leading leaders. It's just gonna be such a leveling up moment for our community. If that's something that you're interested in, all the details can be found at pathforgrowth.com and we would love for you to join Join us and now Naftali in Asheville in October. Y'all know this. We're rooting for you. We're praying for you. We want to see you win. Remember, my strength is not for me. Your strength is not for you. Our strength is for service. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go.